Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the SWGFL podcast. My name is Jess Macbeth. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing two young people, Becky and Marcus, about their online safety education experiences and their recommendations for what educators and schools could or should do differently to support young people online. Some of the issues that we talk about are things like the filtering um, infrastructure in schools and websites being blocked. We talked about sexting and other behaviours and the kinds of educational messages that young people get around that. And we talked a little bit as well about um, whether young people can be yourselves online. So very much hope that you enjoy today's episode and don't forget if you have any um, topics that you'd like us to cover or any individuals or organisations that you think it would be great for us to interview on the podcast, then please drop us an email at podcast at swgfl.org.uk. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hello, hello. So you two are, um, are here on behalf of, or a part of, ENYA, the European Network of Young Advisors, working with the Children and Young People's Commissioner Scotland. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And you're both how old? I'm 15. And I'm also 15. 15, okay. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's great to be um, sitting here in the Commissioner's office chatting to you. Um, so Enya, what is it? Do you want to go first? Sure. Or, or will I go first? <laughs> um, so Enya stands for the European Network of Young Advisors, and it's a project that is linked with all of Europe, so it's not European Union dependent. So you have countries like Norway, you have countries like... Um, Malta, you have a wide range and basically it's to ensure that young people and children's voices are heard at a European level in terms of policy and recommendations. Okay. Yeah, and uh, we looked at particularly internet related issues um, this time and we looked at all the uh, issues that can arise from being on the internet in modern age. So this is where I came across you guys, right? Because I hadn't actually heard of Enya before, which is terrible, I should have. Um, but last year, I think it was, I wrote a call for a Children in Scotland 25 Calls campaign, uh, which basically means they wrote a kind of blog piece about the need to really get some ethics and values about our online lives because mm. it's not working at the moment. And you two wrote a response to that that I came across. Um, I'll just read out the headline for people that are listening. Young people's right to feel safe online. We need a revolution in attitudes and understanding to make it real. So where did that... You, so you wrote this amazing piece, and we'll talk a bit more about that. Where did that come from? So you, you mentioned that you were looking at online sort of digital lives as part of the Enya Yeah, project. so following on from what we did with the main Enya group, we um, we got contacted again uh, by the Children's Commissioner, and they were like, oh, well, we've got this um, response we'd like you guys to write. Who's up for it? We said, we're up for it. Had a look at it and we both just felt inspired and just went for it. Okay, so what are the things that are in the article then? Um, so basically Scotland's Enya group, we came up with three main recommendations. 
So the first one was looking at and acknowledging the impact that poverty has on access to internet. So talking about aspects such as online homework and just things like online skills, which are all for, you know, nowadays employers look for. But if you're a child living in poverty, you might not have the same access to the internet and technology as your more affluent peers, which just kind of like puts you further at disadvantage. And the second one we looked at was about how some schools block some websites which can help young people such as um, LGBTQ plus websites among other things. And the last one was about better support and I think it was also information for sexting and revenge porn. Yeah. yeah. So I had a look on the website and I saw that you've got three little videos for each one of those yes. which are really cool actually. They're very um, sort of creative and inspiring. Mm. I thought they were, they were great. Um, two of the topics really got me interested. So that, that second one that you mentioned there um, about filtering and kind of school environments. Mm. So from a safeguarding perspective, that's a really, it's really, it's like step number one is Absolutely, that we filter yeah. out the bad stuff. That's, that's our attempt as to keeping children safe. But what you're saying is that that does make it difficult, obviously, when you need to research some topics. Yes, so is that like your own experience? I mean, have you, have you had mm-hmm. that, those problems? There's there's issues with people searching words like gay or lesbian and it, it just being completely, everything without being blocked. Mm-hmm. It's all put under a blanket mm-hmm. of, that's perhaps inappropriate. And some of the blocking systems feel a bit out of date. They feel a bit tired. They feel, they're not inclusive. What's the message that you get when something's blocked? What happens? Do you just make the red X. Really? Yeah, the site's not accessible. It's like in my head, I've got this. There's a red, there's a red alarm, kind of nah, nah, going yeah. off somewhere. It's <laughs> you like search for something. You cannot search for this. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think that also a lot of the time it can be things like schools block YouTube sometimes, which although you know perhaps could have some benefit, a lot of the time there's a lot of educational videos on YouTube, mm. like um, maths ones, which you know if you're not really understanding it the way your teacher says it, you can maybe find a different way on YouTube. So okay, that's sometimes so an issue. Let's say we looked at this a different way. So we said, uh, so so I might go and speak to some teachers, and they go, well, yeah, that's all well and good. You know, we we could let the kids all look at YouTube, and what will happen is that yeah. they'll be sitting in the back of the class, and they'll just be watching fun stuff on YouTube. So what's your response to that? Well, <laughs> or is that a tricky question? Maybe it is. I it's, don't know. I guess it ties in with people's digital literacy. Uh-huh. So it, there has to be a level of trust there. Trust. Yeah. yeah. I think that if teachers kind of go into this battle assuming that, you know, all young people just want to sit there and waste their time on YouTube and blah, 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 and Mm. there's no benefit to it, I think it can be, like, quite alienating for a lot of young people because that's just not how they see it. Mm. And it can also be quite belittling because they're like, no, actually, I found this good YouTube channel which explains this to me. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful language. I talked about battle. Does it feel like a battle It's a battle. Yeah. A lot of things with relating to using an internet in school can be a battle, particularly because sometimes teachers don't have the digital literacy themselves or other people, your peers don't have that. So when you're trying, when some people are amazing at it, I'd like to say I'm pretty good at using all the different internet systems and I'm quite good at using like Microsoft Office, whereas some people, they can't even do a Word document and I think a lot of that comes from an inconsistency with what people are receiving. That kind of takes us into that first um, uh, recommendation that you made, which is about poverty affecting people online, yeah. because it's not just about getting online or not, mm-hmm. it's about actually having the skills to get the benefits out of being online as well, isn't it? Yeah. So it's this idea that you might be able to do some things online, but you can't do some other mm-hmm. stuff that might be really, really useful to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I think it definitely just has this massive like knock-on effect so for example if you're not able to have a computer at your house you know what people might say is they might say we'll go to the library but actually if we look at you know increased budget cuts a lot of the time libraries are not open Mm -hmm. at a time that's convenient for a young person so they're often not open on a Sunday or they're often shut by the time school finishes Mm -hmm. and I think just like things like that's really interesting yeah. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it makes me think, should schools be providing devices? Because a lot of schools are going down that route now of, well, of giving yeah. a device to people. A lot of schools are looking to go paperless. I know that there's, I think there's a school in Perth that's perhaps already gone fully paperless. And, no, um, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, neither do I. <laughs> um, I think it's something that should be investigated further because the way things are going, people email, they don't write letters, they email. People don't... Um, like even like you've got things like Microsoft Teams. It's a basically you're just doing a group chat, but it's a professional one. Yeah. So we have, and it's, I think a lot of people struggle to differentiate between uh, an informal way of doing things and a formal way of doing things. And people are quite scared sometimes. I think there's a I think there's a fear. Oh, there's definitely a fear with technology. Yeah, mm. I think that also like what some of the schools might be struggling with is also how quickly technology catch up, catches up. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you've bought new laptops five years ago, well, a lot of them will be slowing down now mm-hmm. and like might not mm-hmm. just be working as well. So I think like that's also quite a worry because obviously you wouldn't want to invest money and then have to keep on replacing it because yeah. that's not sustainable for the budget and mm-hmm. it's also not sustainable for the planet. So I think that would be an issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, albeit paper is not all too good either, but I yeah. do think that some people's, like I would say myself, Sometimes I just need to have something printed off instead of looking at it on the screen. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the third call that you have within that um, article and that, that project they did, where again there was a video and I, I had I watched the video, which is it, again they're really good. I definitely recommend them. If you go to the Children and Young People's Commissioners Scotland website, you can get through to the any project on there. Um, but there was one particular thing that I noticed in the video, and it was about sharing. It, in the video, it, it's an image that gets shared, and that that image is. An intimate image and it goes out of out of control. Mm-hmm. But one of the comments that's in the video I noticed was these things do happen. We need more support. Oh yeah. Tell me about that. Um yeah, so this was at the conference um with Enya, which was all the young people from all over Europe. This was an aspect that we definitely focused on and we talked about this idea of like don't do it, don't work. So saying to people, don't do this thing, it's bad and only offering that a lot of the time doesn't work and actually you need to face facts this does happen Mm. and if you know when you actually go to a teacher or someone for support and they just say well you shouldn't have done that in the first place it's not helpful and it also shuts down like the opportunity for an open and honest conversation Mm -hmm. because when that does happen they don't want to tell someone because they don't want to get told off and they don't actually know what to do because they've not been told Mm -hmm. i wonder with that so there's two aspects I think in this one is the education preventative bit and then one is the responding when something has happened mm-hmm. so in the education side it seems to me and it'd be great to hear from you that we've got a long history of of essentially saying to young people don't do it <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> and if you do it it'll be online forever and that'll be really bad yeah. As a as a an incentive to not engage in that behaviour at all. Yeah. Is does that That is exactly the case. <laughs> it's just I you I mean, I've been there like always through first and second year was when I received like the bulk of my uh SE training with like being online. Right, okay. And it was basically just like 
my guidance teacher showing me a, a PowerPoint, giving me the facts, maybe putting on a video, and it's like, this is this, please don't do this, I don't have to deal with this. <laughs> and I get the point with that, but I feel like sometimes I understood what they were saying, but there was no, the aftercare was there and the bit before it, but the, the how to deal with the situation as it's ongoing. Yeah, this no. is what I wonder, because we know that young people do, I mean, actually, adults, hey, adults engage in this behaviour as well, but we know that young people engage in a behaviour. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder with that particular approach what, what the thoughts and emotions are of a young person that's sitting there that's already mm-hmm. in that situation, I, being told not to do it. Yeah, I think it's really hard and it's alienating and they just sit there and they're like... I think a lot of the time like they do regret it. I don't think, mm. you know, mm. they always think, like, oh, I wish I could go back and change it. But I would also argue that school should be looking more into like the root causes of why that happened. Motivations. And yes. Absolutely. A lot of the time it's things like low self-esteem and like low self-worth. So actually we had like a PA a PSE curriculum that kind of tackled those issues and kind of looking mm. at this idea of like self-worth and self-confidence. And like kind of seeing that as like a catalyst which can affect things like sexting and things like that mm-hmm. as a need for validation if we kind of tackled it from the root cause. So is that type of education happening now then? Not that I've seen. No, that, oh, right, there's okay. not enough of like, you are enough. There's uh-huh. a lot of, um, don't do this, don't do this and nothing will happen. Yeah. And if you, um, if you avoid this, you won't have to worry about this. Uh-huh. It's very, it, there's not enough of like, you've done this but let's help you with it and let's make you better again it's a very like stay away from it and yeah you will yeah, be fine uh, yeah i mean my mm. sense is that 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 kind of traditional approach is not working now you we've touched there on some of your experiences of education mm. e-safety internet safety online whatever we called it so i was wondering looking back can you remember your first educational messages about any sort of safety type stuff online can you remember when you had that or what it was? I first had stuff in maybe primary five mm-hmm. because there was an issue with people having social media when obviously in primary five you're too young. Then the issue was there was some cyberbullying. But then when they went to the teacher, it was very much just, well, you shouldn't have had it in the first place. And there wasn't really any sort of support. So it was just kind of focused on essentially shaming people for having social media. Yeah, shame. Yeah. So, really powerful. Yeah. Shame is a Thing it's huge, it. isn't yeah. it? It's huge. Mm-hmm. What about issues like the more um, practical stuff? Passwords sharing? When did you, so you talk about that? So that came in so actually quite early for me. So our school had just, my primary school had just been refurbished when I started primary one. And we had full new computer suites. We had great big active whiteboards. And we were one of the schools in Angus to get this sort of thing. And um, it was, we started from the beginning. It was very much like, okay, everybody, this is your log on. You must remember this. Write it in your jotter or your little planner. Because we had little planners in it was really cute. Nobody ever used them, but we had them. <laughs> Everyone was like, I'm a primary one. I don't know what I'm doing with this. <laughs> but we had them and we were told to write down our passwords, to just remember them, and we were told to make them simple. Then people forgot them, so they just changed all the passwords to the school's name. Right. Now, see, that's critical. Yes. So what do we say about passwords? Like, what's the messages that we give people that we all get about passwords? Well, Keep it, um, sorry? Yeah, you go, on, go, go on. Yeah. Well, we always, like, at our school, we always have, like, this weird slogan, which is, like, Passwords are like underwear. Don't share them and change them regularly. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. So the issue being, 
we get all this edu- we have all these messages about passwords need to be mm-hmm. strong and robust and long and not crackable and you remember it you don't tell anybody yes and then on the other hand we have the school that says actually this isn't working at all so we're just going to make the password the same and yeah. everybody knows what it is you can't trust a p1 to remember <laughs> all this like like four and it, it was like oh no i don't know what i'm doing and then like even i remember that point like the panic of like i'm going to forget this i'm going to forget this so. but see i wonder if that I wonder if that's a nice little example of how we teach one thing and then our actions do something very mm. different. Is that also part of your kind of argument about getting real with with our online lives? Yeah. That, that, for example, that we as adults are not walking the walk, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, I would say that what I personally do is, you know, I start off with all good intentions. I've got all these different complicated passwords Within a week, I've forgotten all of them and they're all changed back mm-hmm. to the same thing. Yeah. So I think it's just... I feel like currently a lot of like the cyber safety does focus on passwords. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just kind of human nature that, you know, we're like, oh yeah, we're going to have long passwords. And then we don't. Mm. Do people share passwords? Well, depends. So me and my friends, we all have our each other's passwords for our Snapchat, things like that, in case they want us to log on and like send their streaks yeah. for them yeah we um we all have that but we are trust each other enough not to share that so trust yeah we keep coming back to trust there's some key themes this yeah. is this ethics and values type stuff yeah. key themes again and again and again mm-hmm. but that trust can be abused can't it yes so it, it does happen but i i know my friends and i think i know them enough to be able to say yeah i can look after your password i won't share that and even it's on my phone but it's on a locked note mm-hmm. so it's that kind of it's yeah. There's a lot of, um, like, I won't lie to you, I've got the same password for everything. It's just like, easier. You, you need to not be saying that on the podcast, right? No! <laughs> Please don't hack me! You need to go home after this and go and change all your Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, yeah, it's, so there is this sense that actually, that we know some of the rules, the, the rules may be quite simple, too simple, are they, about living online? We talked about, you know, long passwords, we talked about... You mustn't engage in kind of taking inappropriate images because mm. so just don't do it. Is there, is there something there that's just about being too simple and it not really reflecting how we live life? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Because I think like the idea of just don't take like sexual images or like don't engage in that behaviour. I think when you're in a classroom, it's quite almost simple to understand like, mm-hmm. yeah, don't do it. But then I think like a lot of like the external societal pressures can really like mm. have an impact. For example, like girls being sexualized at a young age and things mm. like the sense of like kind of entitlement that some boys have that they are, well, not all men, but... En- enough of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> that it's kind of like they're allowed to, you know, ask of inappropriate things. And mm. a lot of the time, like you've never really been taught how to say no. You've just kind of been taught don't do it. Mm. But when you're actually in the situation, you know, yeah, so and I think people, education on that would be more helpful. People say different things online that they would never say in person because they are hiding behind a delete button or hiding behind a keyboard. And I think that a lot of the time is we look at a lot of the teaching around it looks at what you would do if you were in, uh, like, just have some common sense. But sometimes common sense isn't enough because when things get so complicated, the way I look at it is like you are running your own little business and the business is you and you've got your whole internet space and you have to run that intricately and make sure everything is perfect because being on being perfect online is the only way to be online yeah being perfect online I mean there is something there about being more purposeful online perhaps Mm. I think you know certainly in my experience you 
as internet things come along and you stop, you, you just kind of, you know, you like something and you share something mm. and you don't really think about it. Uh, and I think there is this sense maybe we're starting to become a bit more personal, yeah. purposeful in it. The last thing I want to ask you about, which we have kind of moved into, you talked there about hiding behind the delete button. Mm. Do you think that young people can be themselves online? I think it's really hard because I think there is like a lot of pressure to be a certain way on social media, which is perfect, you know. You need to have like the perfect smile, which leads to like people using Facetune. You know, I don't, I don't think anyone ever has like a bad day or something and then is like, you know what, I'm going to take a photo of this and putting on social media. Mm-hmm. Social media is all about kind of displaying this fake image of yourself. Yeah. And Maybe. yeah, none of yeah. it's real. Like, I mean, we've, we've done some research from the UK Safer Internet Centre for Safer Internet Day, mm-hmm. which is today. Um, and I've got some of the Scottish statistics here. This is from... Um, research looking at 8 to 17 year olds so quite a wide mm-hmm. group of young people but it's but in terms of our search 34% of young people say it's easier to be themselves online than offline mm. and actually that rises to 54% of disabled young people yeah so there's some interesting stuff there about maybe it also works the other way around as in there's some things that you can't express or try mm-hmm. or you know in a face to face but maybe you can do yeah, I think that relates back to self-confidence and how you feel about yourself at certain times. Mm. I think um, a lot of people feel really comfortable online and a lot of people do just have it because they're friends of it. Right, okay, mm. yeah. I would say like some things like, for example, like for members of the LGBTQ plus community, the internet can be a dangerous place but also a safe haven mm. where, for example, if you're living like in a rural town, there may not be other people who are like the same as you, whereas on the internet, there's tons of people some good some bad so kind of that so that can be positive because you could for example make an internet friend but then also other side of that is Mm. obviously grooming and yeah so it's a Mm double-sided blade i think a lot of young people actually do know what they're doing but sometimes it's when they get caught off guard by something that really hits them in the face like grooming and like uh, sexting and sometimes people are not ready for that mm, unless yeah. it's themselves they're doing it themselves sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's it's complicated right yeah. oh yeah so what are we looking for then if we were to if we were to go out to educators and say something needs to change what's the main thing that we're saying to them needs to change the judgment mm-hmm. judgment the denial <gasps> wow these powerful words this is made with a judgment denial shame Trust, yeah, yeah, hugely, huge, huge issues there. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you'd like to know from me before we finish up? Uh, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's absolutely fine. I've obviously done a brilliant job here. Oh, I've got a last question for you. I always like to add in something a bit fun at the end. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is a brilliant app that you would recommend? I'm always trying to to find out about new apps for anything. Well, I've uh, currently I was actually beta testing an app. Yes, so it's called Adapt, and it is a completely, fully comprehensive um, timetable, planner, educate, it's totally everything, and it's to help you with your revision and to uh, keep your timetable on your phone. And it allows, it basically, it sets out, you put in, like, okay, I want to revise on a Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, um, and you put your courses in, and it automatically calculates how much, when you should be doing what, and how much, and it takes you right up to the exam. I think there's a certain type of person that will. Yes! <laughs> <enjoy it. laughs>
about you, Becky? Have you got anything that you'd recommend? It could be an app or it could be maybe a good TV programme or something like that that you've seen. Um, well, an app that I like to use on my phone is, um, it's called Your Hour. And it's basically about managing like time use on your phone. Because I don't know about you, but a lot of time I will just sit there and I'm just scrolling. I'm not gaining anything from it. You know what I mean? It's just pointless. So basically what it does is you can have a little like floating clock timer, which will tell you how long you've been on your app. It can do things like shut you out of an app after so long. And it just basically helps you stop just going on your phone for the sake of going on your phone. It's kind of like, mm. um, I find it just really helps me like actually say, you know what, I've spent too long on my phone. I just need to yeah, yeah. turn it off. There's a sense of in that almost though, isn't there, that the, the onus is put on us to, yeah. you know, to push back against the technology, knowing that it's designed in a way. Mm-hmm. to really keep you engaged but great I shall look up both of those thank you so thank you very much Becky and Marcus thank you for today thank you thank you